The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. And Joe, it was a high octane to remember this past Friday. Yeah, no doubt, man. I, I posted the next day. It's just like the talent level is just through the roof. And the problem becomes it's like making sure that you're able to keep things, you know, flowing. Because it's like, well, hey, this person didn't make this show. They, that person didn't make the next show. And it's like you're trying to mix and match and, and, and get things going and, and push storylines, but not overkill the, this, the push of the storylines. Like, oh, we got to see them again because they're setting up for this. And right. instead of doing some things, and maybe it's because certain people weren't able to be there, for example, like a Jay Vidal. So it kind of changed some things of what we were doing. So instead of maybe doing a six-man that we were looking at doing with, say, you know, Jacob Austin Young, Bodie, and Matt Vandegrift against Jay Vidal and the Bodega. But then it was like, well, there's no Jay Vidal. And it's like, okay, well, Matt kind of doesn't really fit with Jacob Austin Young and right. Bodie if Jay Vidal's not there. So right. it's like, okay, well, Jacob Austin Young's already the number one contender for the No Limits. Let's have a good match. And Brett the Thread hadn't been on in a little bit. So, hey, we had it, and it turned out to be a really good match. And then it was, hey, Chris Nasty's going to be in town this weekend. Uh, okay, we're going to have him in the pre-show. Oh, yeah, but I had booked Matt because I thought we were going to do something in the six-man. Now, Matt has no match. And now I'm going to a ninth match. But it was one of the best matches on the show. So, you know, sometimes through mistakes forgetfulness, things like that, it, it ends up working out for the best because, you know, the tag matches were good. You know, I know I remember sitting and watching like the entire regulator Sky uh, Suavecitos match and, you know, it started off hot, man. I was really impressed with the regulators and, you know, and I told the Suavecitos for the first time, I really looked at you as a gelled tag team. You know, my right. issues with them were a lot of individualism for a tag team that I yeah. felt that they didn't do enough stuff together. And yeah. in the match with the regulators, yeah, the regulators brought the best out of the Suavecitos, to be honest with you. So, sure. you know, so both tag matches were, were super good. And, you know, Trisha Dora, you know, basically walked into the building hey i'm hanging out here for a couple months and i'm doing the dojo and i became friendly with vandegriff and it's like oh okay and then she works and you know one of our longtime fans who you know didn't know who trisha dora was i ended up just sitting down to check out a little of the match and as i sat there they're like oh yeah this girl's really good because he didn't know who they they were and that's right. how you know a good amount of our fans are that they don't no, oh yeah, she's worked Ring of Honor and AEW Dark and things like that. And right. you know, the Battle Royal I thought came off awesome. You know, yep. you know, big credit to you know J Rod who I thought port portrayed her role very well. Brittany yep. Brooks came in as that uh, you know white meat baby face and you know seemed to connect. And Milo is like that super duper you know, underdog baby face yep. that easy to get behind. So it was kind of like the focus and Rochelle hanging outside with her kid 
because I'm like looking at the match and I'm like, what the hell happened to Rochelle? I didn't even see her. And they're like, oh, she's over in the corner with her kid. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, you know, everybody. It was a great wrinkle. I've never seen, I've never seen anyone hang outside the ring with their child while the action was going on. Like, that's a brilliant heel move. That was great. Yeah. The only time I seen anything similar was when, you know, uh, they were, the British Bulldogs would hold their dog in the, before they got in. Before, you know, after they injected uh, the dog with the steroids. The steroids. <laughs> yeah, no, that, the, um, it, what's interesting too is that Battle Royal kind of set the tone too for the night because the crowd got into it right away. And that was, that was huge. Yeah, you know, I, I was pleasantly uh, very much surprised because, you know, you, you look at your advance on the sales of who bought tickets and it was nothing major. And, you know, we always try to get some vet ticks there, but that was, that was pretty light. And it was like, okay, you know, this is going to be a really good show, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be well turned out. And, you know, the walk up ended up being really good. And, you know, the, the bleachers were full and the front row was pretty full. So, you know, it ended up being a little long. And but the fact of the matter is, instead of eight matches, there was nine. There was two talking segments right. to further things along. And as usual, things started late. So and then we started at 710. And we were over by about 9.45, which isn't horrible at all. Two hours, two and a half hours, especially for as much that was going on on that show. You know, right. we've been trying to get that high octane, you know, more in that two hour to 2.15 range. And trying to get the future shock to an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes. And, you know, the big events in the casinos, you know, we're good from two and a half to three hours. And, you know, so, you know, it is what it is. But the thing is, if you're entertained, then you're entertained. But we also understand the windows of trying to uh, fit things into a a certain thing. I I just finished watching The Offer, uh, which I didn't even know was out. And it was about The Godfather and stuff and the arguments back and forth and about the time. And, you know, at the time it was a two hour and 45 minute movie. Like that was, that's unheard of. And it's like, you know, people aren't going to want to sit for three hours, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, when you make something really good, people will stay, you know, there's things that happen that if it's good enough, you forget about the time. You'll be like, Oh shit. Wow. That hour flew by. And you know, when you're watching a TV show, you really, really like all of a sudden you're like, Oh, that was the whole episode, right. you know, and in most cases, you know, other than Netflix, everybody has now been doing, I just said there was a new one I'm watching with Jennifer Garner on Apple and right. Apple likes to get you semi invested instead of putting out one episode of a new show, they'll put out three. So you can kind of binge three and now you're waiting every week, like a Ted Lasso when it first came out or whatever it is. And, you know, they want to get you with those three episodes. Paramount does the same thing, you know, and Peacock does the same thing. And and it's a smart move because people want to binge, but they also want you to keep coming back for more. While Netflix is, hey, the episodes are out and now you have to watch everything because that's what you want to watch. You know, people clamor. You know, it's like you watch things and like, man, I can't believe you lived without binging. I can't believe you lived without that for so long. Like you had to actually, when I grew up, you had to be, you had to be home on Tuesday night at nine if you wanted to watch Mork and Mindy or whatever it was. Right. Happy yeah. days. You knew when it was on and, and people were at home. And I guess maybe when you're 10 or 11 or 12, you're probably home at eight o'clock at night on a Tuesday. You're, you're not hanging out at the bar. So, but you, you would watch television and that was your schedule based on what you were watching because you knew Monday night was this and Tuesday night was this. So, you know, the binge thing is something 
you know, I guess the millennials in their 20s and 30s have have gotten to experience while back in the old days, you know, it's crazy because you look and it's like, man, when I grew up, there was only Fox, CBS and, and NBC. And right. then I'm mean, sorry, NBC, CBS and ABC. And then yep. in the 80s, in the 80s, Fox came in, but they only ran like three days a week with shows, right. you know, and the 21 Jump Streets and married with children and, and things. And man, it's crazy to think there's literally like 150 shows that you kind of want to watch. Like back yep. in the day, it was like, wow, man, I can't miss these six shows. So it's like, right. oh, right. there's so much work for actors these days. It's like, it's crazy because it's like, well, hey, this main actor's in this move, in this show. And now he's also in this show. Right. It's, 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 you know, it's mind boggling. And on top of it, too, one of the things that I think is very uh, true about, you know, growing up in that era is uh, we didn't have any TiVo function either on just the TV. So nowadays you have your binge watching, which most of it's commercial free. So you're, you know, you're watching 40 minutes, 45 minutes at a time if it's an hour show or, uh, you know, 22 minutes if it's a half an hour show. Um, you know, we had to sit through those damn commercials you know, while watching the Hulk on CBS, waiting for the Dukes of Hazards to start. Oh yeah, my, my wife can't watch it. It's like, hey, we got nine one one or something. It's like, hey, it just started. You want to watch it? Nah, I'll wait till later. So we don't have to watch the commercials. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, well, and I think that's even affected wrestling too. You know. Um, Oh, that's why we don't advertise on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown anymore. As time progressed, we learned. It would be like, hey, we're on uh, SmackDown commercial Friday night for our show Saturday. And then all of a sudden I'd get a call Monday because maybe it was somebody who was interested in training, but because they didn't watch it till three days later. And it'd be like, well, there's a good chance they're fast forwarding through it. uh, Or there's a good chance they're watching it after the show. And it became really difficult to market that way. And it's like, even to this day, you know, doing those commercials, man, it seems like the value is more in putting out the social media ads because I know I'm like, I go on Google and it's like, I'll type in, Hey, cause I'm looking for something. And then all of a sudden I'll scroll down Facebook and, and there's that ad. That says, hey, blah, 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 or I'm looking for a concert or or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, it'd be like, hey, tickets for Rick Springfield. He's playing in Laughlin, blah, 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 blah. You know, and it's really amazing how these algorithms, and it's the same thing with the wrestling where, you know, the kid always did that where it's like the key words and it was WWE and TNA and Ring of Honor and, and AEW and Steve Austin and The Rock and John Cena. And yeah. that way they would show up and trying to get people to be aware uh, of what you're doing. That that grassroots marketing uh, has made it easier the way things are because people aren't doing that. People aren't handing out flyers anymore. They're not spending right. money you know, they're, they're trying to algorithm everything. They're trying to get people to share their flyer. And instead of spending money to bring fans in, they're just throwing something against the wall as inexpensively right. as possible and hoping that's going to bring a fan base. Um, when you look at... Uh the performances on Friday night. Uh, what did you think about uh, Cody's performance in, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't know that he was uh, experiencing some uh, injury issues and, uh, you know, he got through that match. Um, what, what does it look like for him and what does it look like for uh the kids training who who takes over for the 
before the training classes for Cody? Well, it was interesting because like probably a month or so ago, you know, Cody messaged me, you know, having some issues with the, sh with the shoulder and neck area. And I, and then he went in for an MRI and he's like, Hey, uh, either way, I'm going to do the 14th show, but I may need surgery, you know, whatever it is. And he called me a couple days before the show, you know, seemingly excited that, you know, that, that it wasn't going to be necessary. Uh, he was going to take some time off after the match to rehab it a little bit and felt like he could get back in, you know, in a month or two. And after the match, he came up to me and basically said his neck locked up and there's no way he's going to be able to do anything. So he's a little more concerned again because – I guess from the results of the MRI, uh, it didn't show anything major, but he was having issues. Uh, as of now, he's seemingly expecting to continue to train, but obviously he's he, he's pretty hands-on and gets in the ring. And, yeah. you know, if they're running, he's running. If they're, you know, doing laps, if they're running the ropes, you know, he's generally right there in the trenches. So, you know, as I told him, it's like, well, you know, you got a guy like Andy or Laz or whoever it is, you know, let them be the uh, the crash test dummy, uh, right. at, you know, to to take those bumps. They're younger. They're, they're you know, they're, they're still excited about taking bumps. You know what I mean? And it's right. like, but if you can't go or, hey, you know what? Maybe you need uh, to do it twice a month instead of four times a month. You know, right. we, we have a pretty cracked staff. So it isn't like I can't take Remy or Chris Bay or TJP or D'Lo Brown is looking to come back to step in. You know what I mean? It's like yep. it, there's so much, much talent that our guys can learn from that if Cody needs to step away for his own well-being, then, you know, that's what needs to be done. And, you know, right now it's like, okay, well, we did the one match and obviously uh, we have no idea when he is going to return. So, right. okay. He had just started doing something with Damian Drake and so now, and that's what happens that a lot of times that we're setting something up, but then something happens and yeah. now you got to step back. And unfortunately, uh, the person who was in the other spot now doesn't have a spot. And then now they're looking for a spot. It's kind of hard when you've devoted so much time to what we were looking to do next for people that now it's like, okay, now, now it's like going back to the reset. So if you weren't involved in a storyline and you were about to be, and then somebody is not going to be around for a couple of months, well, now you just don't walk into some other storyline. Now another one has to be thought of and created. And it's, you know, right around anniversary time as we're putting things together for that. But, you know, now Damian Drake has, you know, nothing going on. You know, we had April 30th kind of penciled in. And now without Cody there, and Damian Drake has to, you know, sit on the sidelines for this one. So, of course, you know, he's disappointed, but he understands, you know. And that's the thing. A lot of the guys who've been around for a long time understand. And a lot of the younger guys are always, hey, what about me? What about me? And, you know, mixing and matching, like I said, you know, Chris Nasty was supposed to be in a pre-show match against Dante King. He wrestled Vandegrift and they had a great match. And then it opens your eyes and you're like, man, you really need to get this guy on the show. Well, I also need to really get Primo Henio on the show. And I really need to get Juicy on the show. And, oh, man, this big Fonz guy, you know, he, he may be a little bit... Uh, less experienced, but he's got all the tools. 
You right. know, he's a guy you look at and it's like, wow, th this guy could be a big deal. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, and it's tough for me to say because of the blasphemous, blasphemous use of the name Big Fonz. You know, the only Fonz right. is Henry Winkler. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, you're taking that name, brother. And, you know, you're going to have a lot to live up to, in my eyes, at least. If you can call yourself Big Fonz. You know, there's only one Fonz. And you're the you're the Big Fonz, so you're bigger than the Fonz? You know, maybe he's bigger than the Fonz when he jumped the shark in uh, California. But early Fonz. Top nine. Have you seen uh have you seen Barry uh oh, love, love, love Henry Winkler and Barry. I loved Henry Winkler and the water boy. Are you kidding? He he definitely looked like Big Fonz now with the uh he's got that stomach going and it's like, yeah, man, he could still act, but it's so funny to see that uh you know, that image that we have in our head of, of what Fonzie was. And then just go, oh, wow. Wow, I never well, thought I'd see old man Fonzie. Well, the, the, the funny thing is, if you go look back at an old episode of Happy Days, and you look at the Fonz, you're like, that was like the coolest dude in the planet? Right. Like that guy? But when you watched it, and you know who Henry Winkler is, it's like, yep, he absolutely is. Yeah. But if a new person watches, they're like, that dude is supposed to be cool. Well, I mean, and and let's like face calling it. Ricky Tenacious cool. You know what I mean? Like people shake their head, like, "What are you talking about?" Well, I guess, but that but that goes to show good casting too, because putting him next to the uh, you know a Ron Howard type made him look pretty damn cool. <laughs> Well, I think it was more or less uh, being around Ralph Malph and Potsy that made the Fonz cool. You know, just saying. Um, what did you think? Uh, did you get any feedback uh, from uh, the the warm up match, the the pre show match with uh, Chase Bell and Dante King? Uh, did you? Uh, get any feedback on that because i thought I, I, that, that's good. one i didn't i that's one i didn't get to see and you know the reason we didn't stream live was because the computer took a shit you know yeah. it's the only way to put it you know it was old uh unfortunately some people don't understand you can't leave a streaming computer on for three days and you know you, you have to turn it off and it, it's a specialty item. So there's a, you know, there's a lot of combinations of why it took a shit. We've had some issues with it over the past. And we knew it was the time was coming because you yeah. turned it on and like nothing would happen. And you turn it off and you turn it on and nothing would happen. And sometimes it would take four times to get it to work. And sometimes it would take 14 times. So you knew <laughs> there were some issues. Yeah. So, you know, the new computer uh, Joey got from his boy Andy uh, supposed to be going to be shipped this week. And we definitely need it because the press releases just came out today. You know, it's official. Uh, starting on April 30th, all our major events will now be available on Fight Plus. You know, yeah. the, the streaming world has reached another plateau into the standalone $15 pay-per-views and $20 pay-per-views are no more in independent wrestling. Yep. And we've seen the trends over the last three or four of our big shows. You know, we've lost literally, I guess you could say 100% of what we had because we're doing, you know, if we're lucky, we were doing half the pay-per-views we did over and they've all been consistent so it's the same people that are buying the mecca and the no escape and the anniversary you know compared to when we you know when we came back and did the two night anniversary special in 2021 compared to a mecca 
that used to do really well, you know, the GCW FSW show that did really well, you know, it's 300% difference. So it's hard to get people, hey, let's pay 15 bucks to watch FSW, or we already paid $8 a month, and GCW's got three shows this weekend. There's Revolver, there's the Bare Knuckles Fighting, and there's 20 other companies that are running, and you can watch a live event. And again, some of them may be the shits, but there's a lot of good quality content in there that right. you've already paid for. So you're going to make that choice not to purchase something. Yeah. And, you know, the way the way the dynamic is on a $15 pay-per-view, we really, we don't make 50% of that. So, right. you know, we're making six bucks on a pay-per-view. So do you want a couple hundred people watching or... Being that there's a subscription service, and again, I was trying to get numbers. I was trying. I was trying to be shifty, like, hey, you know, I was just curious. You know, what's White Plus? Yeah, we don't give out that information about subscribers, but they did say that they're up over two hundred percent over the last year. Well, of wow. course, because they've added five major companies: Black Label Pro and Revolver, and the Bare Knuckles Fighting does well, and of course, GCW. Like literally last year. If you wanted to watch the eight events that GCW had, it would cost you a hundred bucks at least. Yeah. Now you paid eight dollars for the month, and you got to watch every every match on the collective, on top yeah. of what GCW did the week before and what they did the week after. So there's now it's a different way of strategizing your marketing because we spent a lot of time yes last week talking about that, but now yeah. it's like okay. On, an, on a good show, there's no reason why we shouldn't have a few thousand live streamers watching our show. And Day of Reckoning is, is going to be the biggest FSW Arena show of the year. But as we set up, you know, AEW Weekend, Future Legends Tournament, hey, that should be very appealing to the indie fan base. Uh, hopefully FSW GCW 2, Natural Born Killers, and Joey's show, that's all going to be streamed on Fight Plus. The Future Shocks and a lot of the Octanes, they'll still be on the FSW network to try to bring the value to that. And, you know, we're going to have a meeting and we're going to talk about it. And, you know, it's possible we may, you know, make the offers that we did for a limited time, you know, to slash the prices. You know, right. a little bit, whether it's a couple, because, you know, we own the FSW network. So, hey, instead of eight bucks a month, uh, let's do five bucks, a nice even amount, five dollars a month, whatever, you know. Right. But the idea is to get more eyes on the product. It isn't like we're going to be making all this money because we're doing the streaming thing. Right. You know, we're not WWE. We're not going to get, hey, we could do it as part of Peacock. And it's a dollar ninety nine for commercials and four ninety nine if it's not, and you're getting you know twenty million subscribers because of it. You right. know we're a smaller company. There's there's a million different services, so you got to be a real diehard fan to want to do it. Well, hey, let's make it affordable for somebody. You know, hey, five bucks a month, fifty bucks for the year, instead of eight bucks a month and a hundred bucks for the year. Hey, yeah. you know that fifty bucks. That 50 bucks a year, you know, buys you uh, a mediocre dinner somewhere. Yeah, sure. Um, with uh, Fight Plus, uh, do, you, do you think, uh, especially like you said, with the, you know, double or nothing weekend coming up, full tilt weekend, um, how, how do you think that, Getting that exposure on Fight Plus can then relate into retaining the audience and coming back if, let's say, you know, you have uh, fans of a particular wrestler, let's say a Billy Starks, right? Um, they see the product, but when they come back to the product, 
they don't see Billy Starks because she just happened to be part of that weekend's, um, you know, lineup of shows. So how do you counter that with trying to get enough exposure on a weekend like that of your core wrestlers so that people realize maybe they haven't seen a Damian Drake or, a, you know, a Matt Vandegrift uh, before and that will get their eyes back to see those guys. Is that something that you have to kind of plan out when you're putting the cards together? Well, look at it when we first started in 2009, 2010. We, we had to create a fan base for people to come to a show. Exactly. And how do they come to the show? Hey, we got Brian Cage and Sean Ricker and the Reno scum and, and the commandos and 99% of the wrestling fans would be like, who the fuck are these guys? I've never heard of them. Oh right. shit. Jimmy Superfly Snooker is going to be on the show. Oh, the Godfather is going to be on the show. And sure. that's what we had to do back in the day. The idea was we need to get you in the door. As right. a wrestling fan of WWF or WCW, you only look at that. If I hand right. you a flyer, no matter how good a Kevin Cross may look or a Hammerstone or a Chris Bay, when they walk into FSW, not one fan has any clue who this motherfucker is. Right. So the idea is, hey, we did something. So we knew Superfly through his son, Snooker Jr., Deuce, uh, because he came to Vegas and trained with Rush over when Rush had his school. Superfly would come to the thing. I had a radio show. And on the radio show, the last, we would do two hours. In the second hour, we would like actually broadcast the matches from there. And Snooker Jr. trained. And then he moved to Arizona, he got signed, whatever. Now he's not signed anymore. We're starting our own thing, which was 2009. And right. it's like, hey, Jimmy Jr., blah, 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 blah. He goes, yeah, my pops is staying with me. Oh, okay, what is he going to do? I hit up Scott Hosey. Hey, Scott, we're going to have Superfly Snooker. And I remember, you know, it was in the, it was in like in the kiosk area. And Superfly's there. And Deuce, and of course, everybody who comes is there for Superfly Snooker, not for Jimmy Snooker Jr. Okay. And I specifically remember there was, you know, this young boy, probably no more than 10 or 12. And there was a much older guy there. And you overheard the guy who was obviously the grandfather. And he goes, man, I remember when I was your age, I saw a superfly go off the top of the cage and blah, blah, blah. And it brought the family together, but people came to the show. And yeah. he came to the show and he brought his grandson and, and whatever, maybe the son, whatever it was. But they were able, they came to the signing and then they probably bought tickets right then and there and came to the Silver Nugget to see Jimmy Superfly Snooker basically manage his son in a match against Disco Inferno. But that wasn't the sell, you know. The, the right. sell was, hey, who's this Kenny King guy? Kind of, you know, you know, 20% of the crowd may have knew, know who Kenny was. And maybe more because, you know, say Tough Enough, for example. They may right. have seen him on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got a Kenny King. But then we're bringing in guys like Brian Cage and Brandon Gatson and the Reno Scum and a Funny Bone. And people now are watching the show. And they're like, oh, yeah, I like this guy. He's pretty good. Oh, I like this guy. Because we, we had a good amount of people there. There was three, 400 people there. Now, yeah. if, if you see that show and the show sucks, you're not coming back. Right. I saw that with Buffalo Jim's shit. When he first started, the very first show, he had over 900 people in an Orleans ballroom. By the third show, they had less than 100, and they were no longer at the Orleans ballroom because wow. there was no value for them. So I was always on the search 
just like we did the show with the swap meet to try to things get built. And hey, just because nobody knew who the fuck the Young Bucks were, I who knew who they were because I heard they were really, really good. Checked out their shit. And, yep. you know, hey, they strong-armed me. I had to pay them 75 bucks each. But the idea was I was trying to get people in there and through the combinations we got Mike Modest. So right. who was who had been a a pretty big star in Japan. Yep. And the idea was trying to build and forge things because I saw what Buffalo Jim did that was unsuccessful. And that was basically using his students who were nowhere near ready for prime time. And it was like, yeah, you know, this is kind of garbage. And he brought in like two gold Scorpio, which was fine. And the Tonga kid wrestled Rush, who was the champ. But Rush was green as green can be. And the rest of the card was just filled with students who were like nowhere near ready. So I know, as I've always said, that was always like the motto, my motto. If I can get you to come to one show, you're going to come to a lot of shows. Yeah. Because you're going to like what you see. Because the atmosphere is totally different than the WWE show. Because you're getting to interact with the future stars of wrestling. And that's why I felt the name meant something. If we're yeah. Vegas Championship Wrestling, or Vegas this or Vegas that, doesn't really mean nothing. Future right. stars of wrestling. I remember Modest hated the name. Well, you're telling everybody that they're not stars. So you're going to watch people that aren't stars. They're future stars. And he had a beef with that. And I'm like, yeah, I understand what he's saying. But people like to be on the front page. They like to be, you know, there before everybody else. You know, people loved Metallica when they were the underground metal band. And then when they became mainstream, oh, they sold out. You're going to tell me right. that they're they're You're going to tell me that the the Black Album and Ender Sandman was was commercial? No, right. it was just as heavy as anything else they did. But they had built up a big enough fan base, and now they exploded. Right. And and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, you need to bring in the stars, and you bring in the stars to get the average fan to come in because there's only so many indie fans uh, that are going to come. You know, and we lost Joe there for looks like a second. He's having his device problems. Here we go. Welcome back, Joe. Yeah, this camera, man, it keeps shooting out. It's like a hit start camera. And he disappeared again. <laughs> we'll wait for Joe to come back here. Um, and like he said, he's you know talking about that idea of uh, the future stars and what you can actually you know accomplish uh, is you know, that ground level is huge. I think that um, a lot of times the promoting of uh, seasoned talent versus up and coming talent, um, it it benefits the seasoned talent more. Um, Obviously, name people are going to draw a bit of an audience, but the idea is to sell that audience who comes in on the new uh, the new people who uh, you're making into uh, actual you know future stars um, and uh, sometimes uh, you know it I think the focus is lost on the fact that uh, those young talent those people who are being developed uh you kind of lose the the idea that this is the future, um, not only of your company, but of other companies as well. The bigger major companies, um, you know, people have to work to get there and you just don't become 
an overnight sensation. So it's very interesting to look at the fact that a lot of times you're going to see uh, certain talent who in the first two, three, four times you see them um, might not be very interesting. The character is not there yet. Uh, might not have polished in-ring skills. You know, they might be good enough to be on a show, but maybe not, you know, good enough to sustain for a full seven-minute match. Um, so it's it's watching that growth, and I think that one of the things about the Vegas fan base is that they're a very good example of wrestling fans who will take in those young wrestlers and embrace them as they grow. Um, and whether it's, you know, basing it off the character and the ones who are, you know, working on being heels, um, I think the fan base is very good at uh, showing them the hatred of the heel, whereas, you know, the baby faces uh, as well get a lot of the love from the fans um, because I think the fans want to see them succeed. And that's something that's, uh, you know, very big uh, when it comes to uh, making future stars. So that's something to just wrap your head around in terms of when you see young talent, young talent. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is about the future and, um, and developing those, those people into future stars. And Joe, I just wrapped around for about three minutes there. So, uh, let's, let's get on to, uh, something that you kind of, uh, talked about venue and uh, we have official word now. Silverton is locked in, and it's for uh, June 18th for the anniversary show, correct? Uh, yeah, technically it's locked in. I'm still waiting for the contract that was supposedly sent out. I said, well, I have not received it. Can you please send me another? And I am still waiting for that. It's right. like, you know, uh, I want to get tickets out officially by April 30th at our next event, Day of Reckoning. Uh, it's going to be a totally different system. We have to go through the Silverton ticket system. So it yeah. isn't like, hey, you know, go to the website. Well, yeah, you're going to go to the website, but it's going to send you a link to the Silverton Casino that's going to do it. So it's if like... You, does, does Silverton make a percentage on that? Is that why... Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was part of the deal where hey, this is a little expensive for us, and I'll be 100% honest because I'm always 100% honest. So the idea was they're going to attack on a large... So it's on top of it to... You know, it's not a ticket master, so they have their own ticketing service. So I guess maybe they figured right. out a way how to get fees for themselves. I don't know. A lot of a lot of the uh, a lot of the box offices on the strip now are kind of starting to do that. This this offshoot, um, and some of them are even using a straight Ticketmaster offshoot, where it's just isolating their box office through Ticketmaster even. Um, it just seems like, yeah, the the percentage prices of what they're essentially scamming to take <laughs> is unbelievable, you know? Yeah. Well, hey, you're going to afford to take you know, a $3 or $4 charge anyway. So yeah. if you're going to do it through them and they're charging five bucks and it makes them happy to give us our price, it's what is it costing? Another dollar fifty because right. we, you were paying it anyway. If you go to a concert, you're paying 
$42 per ticket in a fee on an $80 ticket. So, you know, you shouldn't be too concerned. It's Vegas that you're paying a $5 fee on a ticket, you know, we're st- and that was the stuff that still hasn't been worked out because the last show we did at the Silverton, that's when they instituted it. And it was kind of like, well, they try to charge, charge a service fee on their tickets. Well, you can't charge a fucking fee on your comp ticket. It's a comp ticket at zero. And right. that was the issue. And I remember it was like people had to come in without tickets which was a weird way of doing things because they wanted me to pay. And it's like, well, if I got 50 vet tickets that I gave out, that's 50 people who didn't buy the ticket, but we did it for a good cause. It's a charity thing. You're telling me I got to pay $200 to you to have 50 people come into your venue to buy a drink because they didn't buy a ticket. So I made nothing off it, but I'm trying to get them in there. So now they're in your casino and now they're drinking and eating and I got to pay you to have that person come in or the wrestler's girlfriend or wife or both or whatever it is. It's like that's reason to call the ticket. <laughs> Did you just say the wrestler's wife or girlfriend or both? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it might be a bad connection. I have no idea. <laughs> But, but the point of the matter is, like, why would I pay for that? Right. You, you know what I mean? And it adds up. And it's also the other version of, hey, Matt, you're going to be in our Battle Royal because we do our anniversary show. So we give the younger guys the opportunity. We do our Nick Bockwinkle Battle Royal. 20 right. people are going to be in there. So the Demirs of the world and Jimmy Jacks who may not be on the main card, they're going to be on the battle royal. So now right. Jimmy Jack says, Hey bro, give me 10 tickets. I want to try and sell them. Okay. Well now I have to give him a ticket that says $20 general admission ticket plus the fees. It isn't in the let. So you're still paying the 9%. So that's like almost two bucks right. on the, t- and then they're going to charge four bucks. So now on a $20 ticket, it's $26. Okay. Yep. Well, Jimmy Jack asked for 10 tickets. He sells three. Demir asked for eight tickets. He sells two. This guy asked for 15 tickets. He sells nine. Ice gets 20 tickets. He sells 10. Now I got 47 tickets laying around at $6 a piece that <sighs> right. I can't resell. Now you're expecting me to pay you that even though the ticket wasn't sold. So right. how am I benefiting by trying to get more people in the door if I now have to pay money to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So, again, that that's the stuff that needs to be ironed out. But um, we, we supposedly have August 27th, and we supposedly have June 18th ready to go. You know, okay. I, I tried calling, no answer. So, you know, we will see. Uh, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm believing everything is set. You know, I'm, you know, I know I've done it before, but when you say, hey, it's a done deal, I'm believing it's a done deal. And there's just, you know, just some paperwork issues, but it's a done deal. So we will see. At the very least, you could probably just... Uh... You probably just tell them, oh, the contract. Yeah, I signed it and I sent it back. You didn't get it? Yeah. <laughs> just, 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 play, exactly. just flip it back on them. Uh, the 30th is uh, going to be uh, Day of Reckoning at FSW Arena. Uh, right now, it looks like uh, Nick Sander and uh, Ice Williams for the, hev- for the heavyweight championship. Uh is going to be um, kind of a personal uh, personal battle now. Um, Nick put out there a really interesting story about going to uh, SmackDown a few years back and seeing a fan there who was just as excited as him, and it turned out to be Ice Williams. And here they are, some you know six years later, going for the heavyweight championship at FSW. Uh, do do you think that? between the two of them and their own passions and desires 
to up their games that um, that match could be something that will leave fans wanting to see more of those two go at each other? Uh, I don't know if it makes them want to see more of them going at it together because there's so much talent that you don't want to stale the product. That, that That's why there's a lot of reasons when, you know, a guy wins the title or, or whatever, you know, of having Hammerstone do other things because Ice Williams and Hammerstone have been involved in matches three or four times over the last six months. Right. Now do we need to see it again? I, I'm not so sure of that. You know, the stipulations are in place, it, which was kind of tricky on my part because I made it an ODQ. But if the faction get involved, Nick Xander becomes the heavyweight champion. So, right. you know, you want to say, you know, the faction that is, you know, you want to say that I have it against you. It's like, well, ICE has a lot to prove. Okay. Ice Williams is following Hammerstone. Well, Hammerstone isn't some local hero. Hammerstone's the MLW heavyweight champion. Hammerstone, if you find lists of the top guy that should go to WWE, he's number one on some of those lists. Yeah. That's the guy he's replacing, who basically replaced a guy who's in WWE and carrying cross. All right who replaced a guy who's in WWE named L.A. Knight. <laughs> right. And Brandon Cage. These are monsters. These are yeah. huge stars. The only reason Solo Sokoa wasn't the one who followed was because he got signed before we had a, a chance to put the belt on. Right. So Ice Williams, who in WWE's eyes, as I know for a fact, is what is called a high-level prospect. So right. he is definitely on their radar. So now he's going to be wrestling matches as the heavyweight champion, and there's a lot of pressure on him. Because yeah. not only does he have the pressure of following in the footsteps of the past five FSW heavyweight champions or, US, uh, or the Nevada State champion, or a women's champion who all got signed right after their run. Right. So you have that pressure of following that, of looking in the mirror and saying, man, am I as good as these guys? But then at an age of, say, 26 years old, looking at somebody saying, you know what? You're a guy we may want in WWE. So now right. he's got the added pressure of knowing that Gabe and they are paying attention to WWE on him. So, right. you know, again, does that melt the ice or does that strengthen the ice? Right. And he's got a lot going on. April 30th, Nick Xander. We also have an anniversary show. We have an AEW weekend. That yeah. even if he loses the title, you know, there's some marquee matches for him to have. You know, in the past, sure, he's wrestled Chris Bay. He's wrestled the Danny Limelight. He's wrestled TJP at the Mecca in a four-way. Yeah. He's wrestled good people. But he needs to get in there. You know, the more matches he gets under his belt, the better he's going to become. And Nick right. Sanders, a guy who took advantage of every opportunity he's been given. And at the end of the day, he's shined very strongly. So it's going to be interesting to see. Three big title matches on the 30th. Uh, we just announced Danny Limelight and Jacob Austin Young. Jacob Austin right. Young's coming off a victory against Danny Limelight. Yeah. One of my favorite tag teams of all time. Because I put them together. The 1%, Royce Nelson. I mean, Jarrell Nelson Roy and Royce Isaacs. Isaacs. And Royce Isaacs. They're they're challenging Fresco and Watson. You know, yep. if you don't if you want to say, hey, Joe DeFalco stacking the odds. Stacking the odds. I have the opportunity to bring 
one of the best West Coast tag teams working New Japan to wrestle for my tag team championships. It has nothing to do with it being Fresco and Watson. If it was Sky High, if it was Toa and Juicy, it wouldn't matter who it was. That would be a match that I'd want to have on a show. A Tito and Che, a Bodega, whatever it is, I'm trying to have the best matches I could have. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and there'll still be uh, some more matches being announced here this, uh, this coming week. Uh, so keep your ears peeled for that. Uh, Joe, as we kind of start wrapping up here, uh, anything else uh, the fans should know as we, uh, you know, head into this week of uh, building up towards the 30th? Well, but on a more personal note, uh, I got contacted by a family uh, this past week. And the family has been coming to our shows for 10, 11, 12 years. Uh, Ken Johansson, his son, Gunner, big wrestling fan, probably started coming to our shows when he was four or five years old. And yeah. he's now 17 and lives in Arizona, but he was recently diagnosed with lymphoma. And, and Ken's girlfriend or wife, I, I believe it's still his girlfriend, uh, she hit me up. And she said, hey, is there, you know, any way we can do some sort of fundraiser, you know, to help raise some money for for Gunner? And I knew years ago when Gunner was here, uh, Kevin Cross was a guy who personally trained some kids. And it wasn't just wrestling, but it was in, in, in you know, probably some jujitsu. It, it was getting together with these kids, helping them out and doing stuff. And yeah. uh, after I talked to her, I actually called Kevin and I'm like, hey, blah, blah, blah. I sent him a text and then uh, he called me back and we had a conversation. So what we're doing is on the 30th, we are going to have a raffle and in the raffle, you know, every dollar that gets brought in, also the merch money and the, the, the water money and all that stuff is going to be donated uh, to Gunner personally. And yeah. I've already got Kevin. He's going to be sending some some stuff, uh, some merch that we have. I think Lawson said something about, you know, a replica belt signed by Hulk Hogan. I uh, just got off uh, the email I sent to the, yesterday to my guy Omar from the Silver Knights. And... Uh, he messaged me back, and they're going to donate a signed Silver Knights uh, hockey stick signed by all the Silver Knights. Uh, he's going to give away some tickets to the uh, the Nighthawks uh, football game. He's going to yeah. give away you know, a T-shirt and hat. He's going to give away some other stuff. So I've already... Uh, Another big ticket item, I guess you could say, is we're going to be giving away a family four-pack to the anniversary show. So we're doing $5 raffles, uh, three for 10 and nine for 25. And you don't even, and you don't have to be there. You know, that's yeah. the good thing. You're going to draw, you know, we, I'm, I'm pretty certain we're going to have more stuff to give away than we've ever done before in a raffle because... Sure. That's how our community is. And with FSW, we've been very close with our fans. So, uh, you know, I put it out there, you know, Venmo, FSW09, uh, Cash App. You got the dollar sign, FSW09. And if you want to, uh, you know, donate to the cause, instead of donating money, we, we want to be able to give stuff to people that they're going to cherish themselves and right. for, for a bargain price, you know, you're paying five bucks and you may win a family four pack. That's going to cost a hundred bucks with, with fees, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's like that, that's what we're looking to do. And we've just started, you know, we got less, we, you know, we got 10 days and it's like, you know, I'm hitting up the guys. I'm pretty sure I could contact 
either Chris Bay or even, you know, Impact Wrestling and say, hey, Scott, I know when you're at the shows, you guys have the chairs, you have turnbuckles, whatever, you know, do us a favor. We work together. You know, we have a fan who's come to your shows numerous times. You know, right. can you donate something as part of the raffle? So, you know, again, A, it's going to be a phenomenal show. B, you can win great prizes. You know, hey, you know, I'm even contemplating a, a an auction for something that would be like, you know, you know, extremely big. You know, maybe, Matt, you know, I know you, you have some training, you know, maybe uh, for a hundred bucks, we'll let Brett the Threat put the uh, double lock, the double lock on you. you. You know what I mean? You know, there's there's numerous things yeah. we could do. We've done it in the past where it's like, hey, you're the ballet for the day. Or, hey, for 50 bucks, you can be the guest ring announcer for a match. Or you can be the guest color commentator. You know, we've done that. It's like, hell, you could be the guest ring bell guy for the entire show because nobody could do it worse than Tom Crawford does. <laughs> so, you know. We might actually get an improvement. We we may even have we may even hire you after that appearance. So it might be well worth it. So you know. So we're, yeah. we're excited to do this. You know, generally during Christmas we do a toy drive, and then Thanksgiving we do you know the food drive, and and hopefully you know maybe we can get some momentum going. Maybe maybe we can push this. And you know, one of the local channels, whatever Fox Five, or or you know, hit up my guy Jason Alexander, who used to do our camera work, who's a cameraman on Channel Eight, and say, "Hey, Jason, any way we can get you know two minutes to push this?" So, you know, he he's been a strong supporter. It's funny I have the picture. It's uh, him with Kevin uh, back when he was probably like six years old. You know, holding the belt, and I couldn't find a lot of others. But then I found one. You know, probably seven years later, uh, with Scorpio Sky, that 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 we posted on the Facebook when he was probably thirteen or so. And you know, I even saw the pictures with with Brandy and and the Chief. And you know, even though he lived in Arizona, he came up and he was at our anniversary show at, at Diversion back in the day. So, right. you know, we're we're always looking to help out in any way we can and uh you know we think we can hopefully raise a good amount of money for them. yeah uh and uh talk about courageous uh you know as uh reading some of the facebook's posts um what's remarkable is that this diagnosis happened and he right away said let's start the chemo and that shows a lot of, uh, you know, desire and passion to fight and uh, get through this. So, um, you know, anyone, when you come out to the 30th or uh, if you go to the website, um, you know, buy some raffle tickets. And uh, like Joe said, you get some goodies if you win. Uh, but all the money's going to uh, this, uh, you know, this wonderful uh, cause and, you um, and the guys have been great too, in uh, sending him greetings and videos. Um, yeah, so. Brian Cage showed up to the show on Friday to hang out a little bit and see some friends. And uh, Brandy hit up Joey and asked him. And and, Brand, and Brian, being the stand-up dude that he is, is is always you know had no problem. And then I saw a few other of our guys, you know, had done it. So yeah. So it's it's a good thing uh, to to keep them in your thoughts, everyone, and uh, you know support uh, support this night on the thirtieth. Um, <clears throat> as we uh, wrap up here, everyone, again, uh, it's going to be uh, the thirtieth of April at the FSW Arena, uh, seven o'clock show. Um, again, uh, you know, tune in on Fight Plus for this one, correct, Joe? Yes, uh, that'll be our official debut on uh, Fight Plus. Um, a lot of our stuff is on there, but that's the past 
you know, pay-per-views. We used to wait 30 days uh, for you to watch it and then be on there. So we're going to be moving uh, full force. And being that it is an indie, a haven for indie wrestling fans, uh, we're starting to put together, you know, compilations. You know, the the best of a of a solo Sokoa, Zoe Star, Carrying Cross. Just going to be adding a lot more content, and you know, eight bucks a month. You know, there's there's a hundred wrestling shows you can watch. Yeah. Live, you know what I mean. It's like love the FSW network, but it doesn't compare to right. everything that's out there. Sure, we have a catalog of great shit that you can watch. You know, Solo Sokoa. You know, when I when when I'm bored or when I'm like looking for a pick me up, you know, I can go to the network and watch Solo Sokoa beat the shit out of Lights Camera Faction. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's that's always a good lift me up. You know, so if you haven't subscribed to the network and you want to watch the faction get their ass whooped, you know, it's always fun watching uh, Seth hook beat their ass. Oh, there you go. That's uh, that's one reason to uh, to check out Fight Plus is to uh, watch the faction get uh, their asses kicked by Sefa uh, or Solo Sokoa, as he's now known. All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in this week. And uh, until next week, have a wonderful time, and we'll see you then.